Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Not So Native Podcast. Let me introduce your host. My name is Rob Lamb. And I'm Aaron Bailey. Kick back and let us take you on a journey as we explore some of Arizona's most fascinating people, places, and things to do. Are you ready? Deciding where to grow your money isn't difficult. Do what we did at the Not So Native Podcast and go with a local financial leader who has deep ties in your community. Credit Union West has been serving their neighbors since 1951, offering high-yield savings accounts, affordable loans, and by contributing to local charities you care about. Join today at www.cuwest.org or drop by one of their many local branches. They'll be glad to see you. Hey, it's Rob Lamb with the Not So Native Podcast. Welcome back. And I am standing in the Arizona Capitol Museum with my friend Stephanie from the Arizona Capitol Museum and also with this fantastic artist who's into things that I'm into, Hugo Medina. See. Ah, there you go. All right. So tell us a little bit about Hugo. Are you native or not so native to Arizona? Uh, not so native. I was born in La Paz, Bolivia. Uh, moved to New York when I was about seven or eight and then came out to Arizona in uh, November of 98. November of 98. And before that, you had gone out west from uh, New York? Before that, uh, the I've been to San Diego. Uh, during college, I taught at an Indian sit reservation in San Diego. Mm. And that kind of what made me fall in love with the Southwest. Okay. So uh, I think it was my sophomore year, I was in San Diego. For a week in the summer, it was like 120 in the shade. <laughs> uh, I went back to New York the moment I stepped out of the airplane in LaGuardia and stepped outside and the humidity just hit me. Uh -huh. I was like, I'm moving. So as soon as I graduated college, I was finally move out to San Diego. Very nice. My brother-in-law always says that I must gain 20 pounds when I go back to North Carolina from all the water that I consume. <laughs> yeah. So. Fantastic. So you have been on display here at the Arizona Capitol Museum for how long now, Stephanie? Um, about four years in September. Four years. Has he been on display? How long now has he been? No. Uh, She's okay. been here since four years in September. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I misunderstood the question. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 <laughs> yes, no. I've been here for four years, and this uh, exhibit has been on display for about a month. Month, yeah. It's yeah, beginning yeah. of July. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. And so we were standing in the... Uh, first room that you would come to, and there's a lot of cigar paintings. Tell me about your, why, why cigars, why, what was the fascination? Do you, do you smoke cigars? Yes, I oh, quite enjoy my cigars. Yes. Um, we could do a whole podcast about that, by the way. Yes, <laughs> with a cigar and a glass yes, of whiskey at hand. Yes, 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 we'll have to figure out another time. Uh, well, when I started painting again, like this first room, uh, consists of some of my first paintings once I started painting again. Oh, so when, you weren't always painting. No, when I moved out here, I stopped painting, I stopped doing artwork altogether, was focusing on my education career. Okay. So I taught uh, K through eight schools for about six years, uh, went for my master's in education. As soon as I finished that, I decided I didn't want to teach anymore. Okay. And I wanted to focus on my artwork. So I started painting again and I started, um, when I decided to start painting again, I wanted, wasn't sure what to focus on. So I focused on hands. And my first series was my guitar series. 
because I always thought hands were fascinating and my dad used to play the guitar. And so, it's the hardest thing to draw or paint, my friend. That's what I was told. So I, I like a challenge. Okay, because all my hands look like somebody's got a club in them. Yeah. You know, it's not, it never looks like a hand. As an artist, if you're not challenging yourself or pushing okay. yourself, then you're not growing. You always need to grow and develop. So every painting, every series, I'm always trying to push myself to try something different and you to do something different. Okay, okay. So, and cigars and hands go kind of... Well, it kind of evolved. I did the guitar series and then from yeah. there... Take care, John. Yeah, thank you. From that the bartender, by the way. Yeah. Very nice guy. We yes. all love our bartenders. <laughs> uh, I came to, uh, across a picture of a guy rolling a cigar photo. Okay. And uh, being introduced to cigars and that being my new vice and the hands telling that story, I kind of put those together and that started the cigar series. First, it was hands rolling cigars, then naturally that started into doing the portraits of people smoking cigars. Okay. Now, do you, did you, in order to get these portraits, were you like hanging out in uh, cigar lounges or was it just your normal kind of thing? I wasn't at that level yet. <laughs> no, or, um, all these portraits were found on the internet. Okay. Okay. So I took, um, I wasn't, being an artist full time. And so I kind of was like, all right, let me play with the subject matter. This is what I'm interested in. I researched cigars and hands and then found the portraits and then kind of fell in love with the portraits. So printed them out, sketches and studies of the portraits that led into the paintings. Okay. So awesome. as I started doing more and more paintings, then I started taking my own photos and using those and it just kept evolving as my career evolved or as my budget grew to be able to create the subject matter or work from the subject matter. Or be able to go and visit the yeah. actual places where the mm -hmm. cigars are being exactly. made. Exactly. Like in this, in this photo, is this a photo that you actually, or this portrait or painting, I, I'm sorry, I'm a, like an art dummy. <laughs> I, I know what I like, I it's, know it looks good. Well, this painting it's is a beautiful because it's got color. Yeah. So much color in it. Well, as you can see through the series, I started doing minor chromatic paintings. And as the years progressed and I kept challenging myself, I started adding more and more color, developing color okay. into the paintings. That's one of the first where I did not just the portrait and pulled away and did kind of like a landscape scene. Okay. Yeah, so I, in this portrait, so that people understand, there's a guy in the middle of a tobacco field mm -hmm. and he's picking tobacco leaves. And in the, you've got the color of the tobacco leaf. He's got this very bright blue shirt on with with very intricate face, and and then behind that he's got the new growth showing behind. Him. Yes. But, so you got the harvesting in the front and the new growth in the back. And mm -hmm. Fascinating. Okay. Yeah. Well, my guy's smoking a fine cigar. I'm sure. You got to have a cigar. Uh, well, as the paintings progressed, and okay. as I grew. Uh, more and more comfortable with the series, I started out adding more elements. I okay. uh, went from just using one color, adding two tones, two colors, and my approach to the painting was I want to use the pure color. I don't want to mix it with black, I don't want to mix it with white or other colors. I just want to use the pure color out of the tube. So I would use the white 
of the canvas as my whites and kind of approach it, even though it was acrylic painting, I would approach it like a watercolor. So where there's no color, where there's only white, it's you're just saying that that's just canvas. the canvas? Yes. Wow. And how do you, well, I, I'm gonna ask a dumb question here. How do, you, how do you know where not to put the paint? Oh, I don't. Ah, That's the beauty the about painting, it. The painting tells you. Yeah, yeah. I kind of let the painting have its own life. I start with the okay. concept of the idea or the image and just build around it. Since I don't outline or draw the painting first, because okay. I don't want the pencil lines, since I'm using the white as the canvas, it's basically a painting directly onto the canvas with the paints. So if I mess up, I have to start all over again, which okay. happens a lot where I spend hours you know, on the painting uh -huh. and then I step back, I'm like, ah, I didn't capture that right, or that's off, or I don't like how that works. So I would scratch it completely just so the canvas and start all over again. There's a little nugget right there. Cause a lot of people think that they have to like, like as soon as they start painting, they're just gonna be perfect. And it, you started smiling <laughs> as soon as I said that. But, but there's a lot of people out there, like, like people who are ignorant of, uh, of how to create art, they, they think that you have to be perfect or, or it's gonna be perfect the very first time. And, and you scratch paintings all the time, you said. Well, there's no such thing as perfect. Uh. And the best way to, like, I'm trying to perfect the medium and okay. understand the medium, but I gotta let the medium have its own life. The painting has, has its own life. I'll start the painting with a concept and idea, and I let that evolve, and I let that, well, it's almost like a conversation. You know, I'm sitting in front of the canvas, I have this image, I'm working on this painting, and we go back and forth and see how it evolves, how it develops. Am I gonna do just all one tone? What layers am I gonna layer it? Uh, how am I gonna do the next step? Each brushstroke is a decision, it's a choice. And the finished piece is a, it's a group of all these choices and decisions that kind of build itself up to the finished product, okay? I like it. That's, that's kind of how I approach this, this podcast, is just let it free flow. Let, don't try to control it and maybe have a couple of questions and then go from there. Right? And let it evolve. And the paintings do that in themselves. So now I have the challenges that I apply onto myself when I'm doing this painting. I'm like, all right, I'm going to use some color. I want to do this. I want to do that. And then I start and let it have its own life. And it kind of takes me where it wants to go. Uh -huh. and it tells me when it's done, tells me when I have to start or what I want to work on. Uh, a lot of times I'll work until I'm done or I can't work anymore. Uh, usually three, four in the morning I stop. Uh, next morning I'll look at it and I'm like, oh, okay, that's off, I need to fix this. Or I'll look at the whole painting and be like, this is horrible, I don't like it. And I'll gesso it and start from the beginning. Okay, so you work mostly in the middle of the night? Uh, well, when you have kids, you have that. <laughs> I like, totally understand. When I first started, it was I had the day job. Uh-huh, yeah, I, I completely and understand. So that. with the day job, I would do the day <clears> job <throat> and then uh, put the kids to bed and then I was like, my time, and then I would paint. So usually it'd be until three, four in the morning because then get a couple hours of sleep before the next day starts. Sure. Uh, now it's more like I have my studio, 
Uh, I can't go in there when the kids are home because then they throw a fit because they want to go in there and paint themselves. Sure. So when they're in school and I don't have much to do, I'm in the studio. Or when they go to bed, I have. I, mean, I still paint at night just because sure. it's just. It's getting in your rhythm now. Yeah. Well, it's in my rhythm. It's also. It's some, like for me, painting on canvas. Like I do murals during the day. Okay. Or I teach during the day, and that's my public persona and I'm out there. Murals is very public, I interact with the public. Me, with a canvas, it's almost like writing a diary. I'm sitting oh. there and even though I'm doing a painting of somebody or a subject matter or whatever, it's my alone time with myself. Mm -hmm. So each painting has whatever is inside of me coming out. And it's also a conversation or like each painting pretty much is a self-portrait in a sense because whatever is inside me or whatever I'm capturing, whatever story I'm telling, part of that, part of me is in there. Okay. So each painting has a particular story of myself at a particular time in my life when I created it, as well as trying to tell a story that I'm trying to tell in the image. Interesting. Let's go into this other room where there's some different picture from some of your travels. So you've got this, uh, presumably a, a man sitting there with what looks like an ocean behind him. Mm -hmm. So this is um, a man from Mykonos cleaning squid. Uh, I was in Greece. I, took, um, I went to Greece twice. I've been fortunate. This is from our first trip in Greece where it was like a six-week backpacking trip. Oh, wow. With oh, my yeah. wife. And with my wife and our nine-month-old. And uh, we started in Copenhagen, worked, went to Vienna, Berlin, worked all the way, our way down to Venice, then took a cruise through about 12 different islands of Greece. Okay, the Greek islands. Yeah, the Greek islands, then ended up in Rome, Florence, then went to Spain and Paris. Okay. He is from Mykonos. When we stopped at the island, we, uh, I, we'd basically rent the car and then we'd drive and explore the island on our own. Sure. All right. And That's whenever I saw something interesting, something I wanted to capture, uh, we take a bunch of pictures. So while walking down, I saw this man who was cleaning squid by the by the water. Okay. So I have a bunch of pictures of him cleaning the squid. So I take those pictures. I do sketches. And I do studies, and then once I have, then I start the painting. Now this painting I did extreme close up of his eyes. We know the actual, I have no close-ups of him, but for some reason, it cannot, like I said, the painting had its own life. You can, you can see that there's some drama in his eyes. And like whether he likes what he's doing or yeah. doesn't like what he's doing, it's hard to tell. Yeah. Uh, well, a lot of the paintings, it's me capturing humanity, okay? Yeah. The everyday life and everyday struggle. They're almost like self-portraits because in a sense, I see myself in them. Uh, the artist struggling, making ends meet, doing what you have to do. Like to do you're what you a blue-collar individual having to do what they have to to live and to feed the everyday struggle that we all go to. So trying to capture that uh, when I paint somebody is in their eyes telling that story. In a sense, I'm telling my story. So in that way, they're all individual self-portraits because. I'm telling a story through them and my story through them, but they're telling their own story. 
at the same time, it doesn't matter whether he's from Mykonos or that one's from Paris, that one's from Vienna, that guy's from Cuba. We're all pretty much human. And I captured that humanity mm -hmm. and turned that story that we all could relate to. So it doesn't matter where they're from, you see their struggle and then you are able to relate to it because you had that struggle. I, I think that that's probably what draws me to the paintings in, in and of itself. It's just, it's just you, you, you do see that it's people living life yeah. and they're, they're just dealing with what they're dealing with and, and, uh, and it's, it's not a, necessarily a canned photo where you're like, Oh look, we're gonna put on our happy face. We're, yeah, this this is just real life. That that was actually one of the challenges. Yeah, when oh. doing the travels and meeting these people and interacting with them, like I'm an artist, want to do a painting, let me take your photo. And once they know their photos getting taken, they can't help but to pose or to smile. I'm like, no, 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 no. I need you to be who you are, what you were doing. I have a beautiful uh, painting of a. Uh, the woman with blue eyes. Mm -hmm. uh, I forgot, that was in Greece also. Uh, I'm driving through one of the islands and I see her walking up this huge hill and just her carrying like the weight of the world in her shoulders. She's mm -hmm. taking every little step. She, it just drew me to her. So of course, pull the car over, go in and start talking to her. At first like, I had to convince her, let me take her photo, introduce myself uh, and Spanish slash English. Okay. Uh, Spanish being my native language, which makes it easier to communicate. As sure. She spoke Greek. Um, and then while I'm taking her photos and interacting with her, she's posing. And I don't want that canned post photo. I want her natural. Mm -hmm. I want her just being, be that woman walking up that huge hill taking every step, being like carrying the weight of the world of her life and her shoulders. Mm -hmm. And you seeing that and try to capture that. So then of course, trying to get her not to pose was the challenge. <laughs> so what, I see that these are all on canvas. You've got a, a, a history, I read your, your bio a little bit, of being a sculptor. And as I, as I was walking around the exhibit, I was kind of a fly on the wall listening to other people's questions of you and one of them talked about how you get the canvas and then what you do with the canvas and how you feel about people touching your pictures so let's can, can we elaborate on that a little bit well, I mean, where do you get the material i started as a painter like oh, my okay. first art contest i was five years old this is back in bolivia and okay. my older sister was entering the state run art contest and me always looking up to my older sister wanting to be like her through a huge fit. So my parents lied about my age, got me into the art contest and from what my mom tells me I ended up winning. Okay. That's cool. So I've always painted. And then in, uh, uh, in high school, I introduced to metal sculpture and welding and I got to play with fire. Mm -hmm. which was mainly what it came down Fire's to. Fire's always cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that became my passion, creating uh, sculptures. I did the painting and the sculpture, and they always kind of worked off each other. Okay. okay. And then in college, my focus was all sculpture. And then when I moved out here, I didn't have the equipment. I didn't have a shop. Or I didn't have oh. a metal shop. So when I started working again, it was back to painting, because that's something I could set up in my living room and start painting. Sure. And... 
So sculpture is still my passion, but my painting has kind of taken its own life. Okay. Now, as an artist, I don't want to restrict myself to one medium. I need to play with all the different mediums because I'm always, I need to always keep growing and evolving. Sure. I always say the moment I stop learning is the moment I will stop painting. I love the growth I will stop mindset. Creating. I love that growth mindset. Absolutely. Uh, the paintings now uh, have gotten to where I'm actually sculpting with the painting. Okay, uh, explain that a little bit. Well, I always stretch my own canvas. Why? Because it's cheaper that way. You stretch your own canvas. Yeah. Okay. So instead of buying pre-stretched canvas, which are factory-made, very smooth, very nice, okay. by stretching it, I'm putting my energy inside the canvas. Okay. Uh, my sweat, pulling the canvas, stapling it, building the stretchers, adds a sense of energy or emotion yeah, to, the canvas. to the canvas. Another dimension. It makes it more personal. Okay. Right? And what I started doing now, since it's, I always use the Home Depot canvas drop cloth, Oh, of course, now big, I'm going big, to... Big plug for Home Depot right there. Now I'm going to be going to Lowe's, <laughs> just remember that. I mean, if I put that out, yeah. people will understand why. <laughs> so now I'm, I'm always going to be using either Ace Hardware or Lowe's no. <laughs> canvas drop cloths because they're a lot cheaper. I make my own stretchers. Okay, and so you're just using a regular old drop cloth that I would use to paint my daughter's bedroom? Yes. Wow, okay. Uh, and I actually use it as a drop cloth for a while before I even stretch it onto the canvas because I want it to have some age. I want it to have some feelings to it. Okay. So the drop claws might already have paint on it or drips oh. or, or footprints and stuff. When I stretch it, all that comes into consideration as I'm stretching the canvas. Wow. And then when I just sew the canvas and prep it, I do it very haphazard. It's like organized chaos. I'm throwing gesso on there. I might use some uh, plaster, I might use some paint spackle and kind of give the canvas some texture, give it its own life. It's almost yeah. like I'm painting in a very abstract expressionist way. It's an action painting with just gesso or whatever. Sometimes I have some cigar ashes in there or dirt <laughs> depending on where I stretch the canvas or whatever gets in, in it as a what, Whatever's in the area yeah. could potentially end up on the, on the campus. Yeah, and as you can see, wow. my older paintings, you see those elements. And then once it's dry and it's ready for me to paint, the new, the image that's going on there has to work within what's already on there. So it's the boundaries that have already yeah. been placed on Yeah, because the, looking at this one, the, the, the three ladies. Yeah, the three grandmas from uh, Venice, okay? If you touch the canvas, you see areas that are, it's still raw, it's still oh, yeah. pure canvas. Well, so, I'm touching, the, I'm touching the painting, people. Yes, it's very important. It's, it's like I go to museums and I have to keep my hands in my pocket because all I want to do <laughs> is go up to the paintings and I can feel the paint, feel the bumps, and feel what went into it. You know, that, that uh, I, I think about my friends who have autistic children that want to touch and feel what it what it's like, and uh, and to have the freedom to be able to do that would be phenomenal for them. I recommend it. Yeah. Yeah. I actually now I want to put a sign when people come in. I'm like, please feel free to touch the paintings because in doing so, you, I mean, like this rip on the canvas that I just noticed, <laughs> and all the different layers, elements. 
my early paintings, not as much because I was focused on just doing white and the monochromatic. But if you go into my older paintings, you see the textures, you see, you feel, I'm almost sculpting the, the with lady, the palette knife. The lady from Notre Dame, you, you look at her, her hand, she's holding this cup, like she's, like she's backing. Yeah, she was Basically a beggar. Basically outside of, outside of Notre Dame. And, and you look at, you look at her hands and you could see that there's texture there. And, and even if you didn't know that there was texture there, you can see that there is, but knowing that there's texture because I've touched it, makes it even, it makes it even more powerful. Well, trying to capture that texture and that you, feeling. You think about her hands, her hands are gonna not be smooth. They're gonna have a... They, yeah, a, a, well, she a, was a gypsy. She was a beggar, so her hands, tell you all she's gone through. Mm. Your hands tell you your lives, whether you were a wealthy kid that never did a day of labor, your hands will tell you that, or whether sure. you were in the field all day picking cotton or picking tobacco. Yeah. Uh, your hands will tell you that story, whether you have scars or no scars or calluses. Uh, so one of the things I love about hands is they tell you that story. Mm. And you can yeah, feel can that, you can see that. Their face if they wish, yeah, you know, but, but you can't smooth out your hands so much. And yeah. so that's why I always love painting hands because they have so much character, so much story behind them. Hands and eyes, yeah? And eyes, exactly. Your, the eyes other... kind of lets you peek into their soul, yeah. in a sense. Yeah, okay. I, I agree. So this painting right here of this man with, I don't know what's in front of him. He is playing a, um, what's those things called? An accordion? Yes, an accordion. He was a street musician. Okay. Uh, Vienna. Okay. He was a street musician in Vienna. Uh, we were in Vienna and I just saw him. I sat in front of him. And I don't know how many different photos I have of him, but the one of him looking up and capturing that look from his eyes. Uh -huh. I, I do need to do more of him because his hands told a whole other story as he was oh, playing yeah. that accordion. Okay. Interesting. And then there's this picture of a, uh, uh, looks like a World War II vet who's African-American. Yeah. Uh, Richard Overton. I saw his image on Facebook when he passed away. He recently passed away. I think it was now probably about six months ago. Uh, he was 112. 112? Wow. Uh, World War II vet, and I just fell in love with that image. Uh, of course, my connection with the cigars in my cigar series, uh, I fell in love with the image of him smoking a cigar and the history in his face, the history in his hands. Oh, yeah. So I needed to paint him. So once I painted him, I wasn't sure what to do with the background. And my father-in-law, who is a vet himself, gave me the idea of doing the cemetery and the, the crosses. The yeah, the crosses, crosses, the white crosses, which kind of work together perfectly for the painting. Mm. It almost looks honestly like he's he's resting there, celebrating with his friends. Yes, that is what I feel. It's it's that connection because I mean he lived an amazing life. Absolutely. And to be 112 and what he's gone through, and then his friends and these were. They could either be people he served with or just other veterans. There's that connection. People, people have that connection with yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah, fascinating. That's beautiful stuff. So you do some sculpting with your painting and you, you do a variety. So you do acrylics 
And spray paint, you were saying, I was listening. Yes. You use spray paint? Uh, that started fairly new as I started doing more and more murals. It's a new challenge, yeah. yeah. Uh, I love the use of spray paint, so combining <clears throat> the two. Now, with spray paint, like if I do spray paint first, and I can't use the acrylics. The acrylics won't adhere to the spray paint. So oh, they won't kinda, adhere to the spray no, paint. So oh, it's kind of, it's a playing with medium. Same thing like this little boy in front of us. Yes. Uh, he's done with powdered graphite. I do powdered graphite and mix it with water and paint with that. Well, you can see a picture of this guy on our, on our website. Right. Wow. So, I mean, I have drawings of him. I mean, he's a little boy from West Phoenix. My wife took the photo. This is actually before we met. She took this photo of this little boy. Uh, she told me the story behind him, and I just fell in love with him. Uh, so this is, uh, I did this extreme close-up of the photo just to capture his yeah. eye. And one challenged myself, because so you see most of my paintings of older people. Yeah. Okay, because they have a story already. But this little boy had so much to say in that photo that I needed to focus and capture him. And kids are a lot harder to paint and to draw than the older because their their stories are different. Mm. And as you go, we go into the other room. Sure. You see, like the paintings from India, where I have one, two, two paintings of children. And that's something that I'm going to be doing more of because they tell a different story. And because it's a new challenge. It's a new challenge. Each series, each painting, I always have to push myself to do something that I'm not comfortable with or uh, try something new. That way I keep growing and evolving. Keeping it fresh. And yeah. Well, if you keep doing the same thing over and over again, you're basically uh, putting yourself in the box. Like I could, my cigar series on my guitar series, they'll sold like crazy, okay? And then since you have a link for like cigar art on your, on your website, is that where that's at? Uh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, love it. My love website it. has not been updated since probably 2011, oh, since okay. I don't know how to uh, do it. Uh, yeah, uh, my Instagram is more current than oh, Facebook. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my website, I have paintings, I think, uh, wow, that was probably 2012, 2013. Okay. I got to find somebody to redo the website and to upload all this stuff. I'm sure that there's somebody I don't know how to do it. Well, that's fascinating. So, so this, uh, that is a very interesting lady right there. Uh, the woman in orange. The woman in orange. Yes. Um, I, like this latest group of paintings are all from India. Okay. Okay. Uh, my wife went to India uh, on assignment. Well, she went with school, but I put her on assignment. Sure. Uh, so this is part of, she's a woman from Barefoot College. Barefoot College is a college in India that focuses on educating uh, mainly the women in the rural communities. Mm. Uh, teaches them how to build solar panels, how to do, how, how to make, basically make themselves self-sustaining. Wow. Now the reason they teach the women is because if they teach the men, the men will take that knowledge, go into the city and leave sure. the community. The women yeah. are, go back into the community and use that knowledge that they're learning to give back to the community. Uh, the woman in orange, she was actually in the process of using, building reusable bags out of old newspapers. 
Okay. Okay. So uh, there's a painting in my studio right now of just her hands folding and bending the newspapers and turning that into a usable bag. Wow. So, I mean, Barefoot College is an amazing program and organization to help uh, individuals become self-sustaining, especially in that rural population of India. I'm going to have to Google it now because now I don't know it. So I'm going to have to check it out so I can see it. Well, that's, that's outstanding. So if people wanted to buy your art, People need to buy it. my well, art. People need to buy your art. That way, I keep produce. I could keep producing yeah, yeah, more. Yeah, 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 yeah. But because uh, I mean, you do use a variety of mediums. And man, I wish you guys could be here, and I wish that this audio had feel, because you could just see the difference in the picture. But then to go up there and touch it is fascinating. But if people buy your art, go to buy your art, where would they go? Uh, they can just uh, have all my information either on my webpage, hugosart.com, or on my Instagram. If you Google hugosart, I'll pop up and it has my self, cell phone number and my email. And you can just either direct message me or contact me, and uh, we'll meet and see what you're interested in. Very cool. And you've done, just as a side note, you've done some murals around town. Yeah, I have about 50 or so murals throughout the valley. Throughout the valley. Yes. What, what's, um, what's your favorite? <laughs> <laughs> the next one I'm going to do. Oh, there you go. I love it. Love it. Okay. Uh, but, but, you've done some here in downtown Phoenix? Yes. I have about eight or nine in downtown Phoenix. One of my first murals in downtown Phoenix is the Wallace and Ladmo mural at first. You did the Wallace and Ladmo? Yes. I was wondering who did that. Now I know. All right. So, wow. That was one of my First murals in downtown. And if you want to go see that, where's what's the location? That's uh, First Studio, so it's right off of First Avenue, and uh, I think um, just uh, north of Fillmore. North right of behind, Fillmore. right behind the Westward Hope. Okay, right behind the Westward Hope. Yeah. Okay. First Studio was the first TV production company in Arizona, and that's where Wallace Lambda was actually shot. Now the owners um, are. Randy and Teresa Murray, who uh, I was their daughter's junior high art teacher. Oh, wow. So their daughter was one of my students, and then we became friends. And then when they bought First Studio and renovated it, I was in there. That's where I had my first solo show as well. Oh, wow. No, I, I, uh, we, we've got to get out of the Capitol Museum. Because yes. There's people that are getting hungry. <laughs> but... Uh, but a friend of mine uh, was on the Wallace and Ladmo show at one point when he was a kid. That was so much fun working on that mural because everybody would come by and stop by and tell tell me stories about Wallace and Labno <laughs> and getting the Labno bags. And then I'd take them inside because you see the actual location of where it was shot and they have a memorial wall. So it was, that was an amazing experience. I was so wow. fortunate to be able to do that. That's awesome. Well, Hugo Medina, thank you very much for spending oh, this time with me. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure. Thank you to the Arizona Capitol Museum for hosting you and hosting me to have this opportunity to interview with you. So thank you very much well, thank for spending the time with us. It was my pleasure. Thank you. tired of being stuck doing your own payroll and bookkeeping? Do you want more free time? Call Mary and her team at MLR Pro Tax and Accounting 
505-7141. They can help. MLR Pro Tax and Accounting provides year-round payroll and bookkeeping services to make tax time a breeze. Call Mary today so you can get out and explore more. 623-505-7141. Thank you for joining us here at the Not So Native Podcast. Be sure to check us out on our website, notsonativepodcast.com, and leave a comment or two. Also, follow us on social media to get the latest update on our adventures. Until next time. Until next time. Thank you.